You can take it away, Sam, whenever you're ready. Oh. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our very first Mew High podcast, where we discuss different STEM-related issues with a focus on global health. My name is Tanya and this is Samyukta and we are your hosts for today. In our very first episode, we wanted to kickstart this podcast with a topic that's severely underrepresented, Indigenous communities in STEM. Before we begin, we'd like to respectfully acknowledge traditional owners of the land on which we are speaking on today, the Rwandri and Bunwurrung peoples of the Kulin Nations. We pay respects to elders past, present and emerging to all First Nations people. Today, we're in conversation with the brilliant Ava Hopewell, a current project tech analyst at Westbank Bank and a proud Aboriginal female STEM ambassador. Among her many incredible accomplishments, Ava volunteers at the Queensland University of Technology, mentoring other young Indigenous students interested in a career in STEM. Ava, I would like to warmly welcome you to our very first episode of this podcast and find a little bit more about your career journey. Thank you guys. I'm so excited to be here today. I would also like to acknowledge the land on which I'm calling from today, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging, as well as any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening to this today and their land. Um, yeah, I my background is IT. I'm a Bunjalung woman with roots in northern New South Wales, but born and raised in Queensland. And so that's where I went to uni. And um, I studied at the Queensland University of Technology with a Bachelor of Information Technology. And as I went further into my degree, I realized I also wanted to minor in Indigenous knowledges and entrepreneurship, which gave me a really great background. Um, throughout my degree, I also interned through the Career Trackers in internship program for Indigenous uni students with St. George and Westpac across a variety of teams. And that gave me a really back great background across a widespread of teams from commercial business to DevOps and then private wealth. So I got a good breadth of experience for that, um, as well as a really good network and support group and a lot, a lot of um, friends in that community. And so that led me to um, be offered a spot on the Westpac graduate program, which I excitedly accepted. And it meant that I moved from Queensland to Sydney. So now I've been in Sydney for the past year as part of the grad program, um, as well as maintaining other um, other things like this, where I get to talk about how much I love STEM and how much mm -hmm. um, room there is to grow with Indigenous representation, but like what's existing already. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Of course. And was there a specific point in your life where you definitely thought that you wanted to get into the STEM career, like a turning point um, while you were growing up? Yeah, so I always really liked technology like when I was in primary school we had computer labs and yeah. it was always my favorite time of the week to have computer lab time and mm -hmm. get to play around with uh, powerpoints and you know cool math games um, and then in high school my high school didn't have a senior technology class and so I opted to do a certificate too through the Fruva High School um, in information, digital media technology. And I really loved that. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. this is something that I'm really enjoying. 
And um, I also had the opportunity to attend a winter school at QUT for Indigenous students interested in science and infrastructure development. And that's where I met um, some awesome people from similar backgrounds. It's where I first got to see QUT campus and the community there and really fell in love with it. And I got to talk to people who were doing my degree and who were, who were doing what I wanted to do. And that's really, that was sort of a pivotal moment where I could see myself doing it in the future. I got to talk to uni students and members of the industry. Mm. And I was with this community of other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students who also had big dreams. And it wasn't just within technology. I got to meet people who wanted to be chefs and architects and, yeah. and we could all see how, how that could actually happen. So, um, that was sort of where that sort of passion and like, okay, I can really do this came from. And so from there, um, I was a bit strategic. I was like, okay, if I go into technology, I know that there will be scholarships and support. Mm. I know yeah. that I can sort of join a small community, like this little club of Indigenous women in STEM. It's pretty small, but I get to help build that community. And mm. I thought that was really exciting. So I just jumped in. Definitely. That sounds so amazing. So from what you explained just then, it sounds like, you know, your interest and your love for STEM was really being nurtured by um, both your secondary school as well as all the opportunities you had in university. So for a lot of our students who are maybe based in more rural areas across Australia, not just Melbourne, um, what advice do you have for them who may not have, you know, those same opportunities available to them to be able to explore career paths in STEM? Yeah, I'd say... Oh, there's a lot I want to say, but I'd start by saying that, um, you know, everyone you talk to, everyone you go to go for for help wants you to succeed mm. and they want to be able to look back, you know, when when you're doing amazing things and say, wow, I helped that person apply for uni scholarships or I helped mm. that person work on their first assignment. So you just kind of need to know what help you want, because when you reach out nine out of ten times, you're going to get it. So I I wasn't the first person from my family to go to university, but I was, um, but my my mother didn't go to university. And so that's where her like strong desire for me to do tertiary education came from. And I knew the sacrifices that her family had made were so that I could go and get a further education and better myself and get a good career. Um, Whereas my, my dad actually also grew up in a rural area, um, but he was also sort of like paving the way for me. So he went to university, but then he also didn't just get his bachelor's. He went on to get his master's and work wow. on a doctorate. So I sort of had those two sides of the coin mm. showing me like how much hard work it takes and um, like the outcomes if you do. And I'd say if you're if you don't grow up in an, an environment that's supportive or if, you know, you're scared, if you have to leave home, I have lots of friends who had to sort of be the first person in their family to go to university or even if they weren't, they had to leave their home and go and live in the city, which even when it's Brisbane is, you know, oh, big smoke and mm. it's, it's a lot mm. that changes. And I think the thing, the common thread that gets everyone through is, a support network where like it's a combination of 
friends and family and your peers and mentors and teachers um, because I know that sort of culture shock is a weird way to describe it, but I think that's yeah. the best way to describe it is when you get in and everyone's starting to learn about, you know, the content of the degree, but you're just learning what it's like to be in this like new big change. So mm. that support network is really like the most important thing that gets you through. And it, I think there's people that I know who come from all different backgrounds and it proves that like no matter where you come from, what, what matters is where you're going and how, how that, how your background is going to give you that new perspective in an industry. Definitely. Yeah. That sounds really great. Of course. Like, honestly, we read recently that, you know, you are coding tutor for um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander girls. How was that experience? And like, do you think that these resources are still scarce for these communities? And how can you, how can we increase the betterment for these um, communities in the future? Yeah, I had the, my first coding workshop like that was in my first year of uni um and it was one of those instances that was like okay that's really i got an email about an opportunity and i was like this is scary but it's exciting so i'm gonna do it um and i got to see like these little five-year-old girls of sort of five to ten years old and you know their faces when I said I was at university and there's like oh the shock and awe and excitement and you know asking all these questions that I didn't even know the answer to I'm like okay yeah let me let me google that they're just curious and awesome and it proves that like when you have the right tools um that that you can do anything and just like go and discover all these new things and learn whatever you want and, it, and so it comes down to having the right tools i know instances mm. where you know there's two or three computers in a community library and at, at like as soon as the bell rings at three o'clock everyone all of the little kids are running so that they can get there first and so it's always the fastest runners who get the <laughs> computer time um and so it comes down to resources and i think it's always going to be different for every community and that the most important thing is to always ask and listen about what a community needs and wants mm -hmm. rather than assume because you just never know and um if we if we listen and then you know provide our, our time and resources to help then that can have really awesome outcomes and you never know what it could lead to from there. Yeah, definitely. That sounds really incredible. Tying in slightly to, you know, that uh, your experience as a mentor. So, of course, there's a lot of different parts of your um, identity. You know, you're a female, you're Aboriginal, you're also a STEM ambassador. You know, what is your favourite memory or the most rewarding part of your career so far? I had a chance to reflect on this recently. Um, and the thing that I always come back to is that, first workshop with the little Indigenous girls yeah. and teaching yeah. them how to code. And at, at the end of the workshop, the the woman hosting was like, oh, we have these bracelets and they were charm bracelets with like their logo and all these different things on them. And they said, these are for like all the mentors that helped us today. 
and um and so she gave them to a couple of the kids to like go and hand out to people and this little girl ran up to me and said are you a mentor and like gave me the bracelet and uh-huh. I think that was just such like a pivotal moment in my life and just such a key memory that keeps me going like mm. it doesn't matter if it's you know a rude person at work or someone underestimated underestimating me I can think back to that moment and know like I'm not just doing this yeah for me or whatever I go on to do it's always going to be for the next generation and then for them it's going to be for the next generation and so that's what keeps me going and I think that was my first experience as a mentor um which has really pushed me forward to always be offering help however I can from there on wow yeah of course like honestly I feel like that's a really precious memory, to be honest. Um, and, you know, do you have any strategies or, like, ideas on how we can make the STEM environment more welcoming and more understanding of Indigenous practices in this time we live in? Oh, what a great question. Um, <laughs> a million ideas and none at all. I know in my university where I attended undergraduate in my last year, they were starting to implement a situation where um, they would have a class at the beginning of the first year, first semester um, with just girls in it. And then you would get to know all these amazing women. And you would, even if you weren't in the same classes in the future, you sort of, you knew you were taking the same subjects and you had that support. And I thought that was really amazing. Like, oh, what what a shame I wasn't there for that. Like, what a shame it wasn't implemented sooner. And I think when I think about what could be done to make the industry more inclusive, I think about my final year project and my, which is supposed to go for a whole year over two semesters. And my group was, um, oh, I don't even have the words right now, but they, they were being, here's the thing. Okay. I, (laughs) I am white passing so I get a lot of the time people will say racist or really frustrating things to me Mm. about those aboriginals and then not realizing that I am a Bundjalung woman Mm. and I am that background and I sort of catch them out and so I had one of those moments with my group which thankfully I was able to sort of change groups and work on a project that was dearer to my heart yeah but I think um I think everyone in, in this country would really benefit from some like cultural safety Definitely, training. And I think yeah. if there's that base level of understanding and respect, then we can get onto some, you know, cool projects where we think about indigenous design and how that can be implemented with technology. And mm. we can think about like, what it would be like to work on all these projects or work on a team where there's just yeah this cultural safety for everyone who's there and then you can sort of get on to the good stuff and not be stressed about if someone's going to make a comment about january 26th and you really just want to get through the day (laughs) exactly well that's incredible i really share your optimism that hopefully you know one day we can get to that space where everyone feels safe and um and welcome in where they're working and i guess you know this final question i loved um that we're going to wrap up on today i love to invite sam to answer as well um you know how does being aboriginal australian um and a female as well empower you in pursuing your career and for sam maybe um 
whatever part of your identity that you think is most important and how that empowers you in your day-to-day life? Yeah, so I I think it's sort of, you know, my my superpower is that I have generations behind me of innovators and inventors and I have this this background and these experiences of of bullying and determination and mm. hard work that really sort of everything up until this point has made me who I am and my background has made me who I am and I don't know where I would be right now if I wasn't an Indigenous woman and I pardon me I've got a cough no worries <laughs> um I really love being able to be the first person in a space to come with this unique perspective and say, oh, what if we did it this way? Or maybe you guys aren't thinking about Mm -hmm. this angle. Um, I love, as I said earlier, being able to sort of join this really small club, but then be able to build it and build it into this bigger and bigger community. And um, that's what I hope to see one day is to not be able to count on one hand the number of Indigenous women in technology that I know and just have it have it be this great big community where we can all share our experiences and I think that would be really amazing. Yeah, um, that was beautifully said and just linking with that and I think all three of us are women in STEM and I think that itself is a beautiful achievement. You know, 50 years ago, nobody, no, there's like thousands and thousands of women in STEM now, but I think what is more important and what we should hone in more now is the diversity mm. in women in STEM. Mm-hmm. And it, you can tell just by Googling up, if you just search up um, people of color, women scientists in Australia, there wouldn't be lots um, that are like <laughs> well-known and well-published. You know, that's kind of sad to me. Um, mm. So I'd really like to see that change in the future, but the way we progress right now is honestly amazing. And I'm just excited to see what we can do more in the future, honestly. Definitely. We're in such a, you know, exciting space where it's growing so rapidly. But, you know, with our optimism, we have to remember that it always came from somewhere where um, it's always, you know, room for improvement, steps to take forward. And it's really exciting, Ava, that, you know, you're, um, I was going to say things hardly, not that, <laughs> that you are taking so many great leaps inside, you know, the tech space for Aboriginal Indigenous women in particular. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. I think I think you're right. Sort of if you if you know what it's like to be a woman in a woman in STEM, you sort of have that extra understanding that other people may not of what it's like to sort of stand on the shoulders of the greats mm. and know that yeah. you know, one day that could be you and everything that you do is sort of making it easier for the next person and that's really exciting and motivating. Incredible. Sam, did you have any final questions to wrap up on? No, I didn't. I just wanted to thank Ava for coming here today and taking the time out of your day to um, attend our podcast and answer these questions. And we hope that you succeed even more in the future and inspire more Indigenous communities to um, be a strong woman in STEM. Put perfectly. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being our first guest today on our first episode, Ava. Um, We will talk to you soon. Um, 
Oh, I actually don't know how we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> Sam, we haven't gone through the ending yet. <laughs> Wait, I'll just, I'll just make up a real quickie. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our very first podcast. Um, this is me, Samyukta, and my other podcast host, Tanya. And we hope to hear, uh, hear you guys soon in our next podcast. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>